0: Great to be here. It's interesting. The other day, actually, I was lent a book from a friend about Abraham Lincoln's 13-day harrowing journey, his train ride from Illinois to uh, Washington, D.C. when he was president-elect. It was a time that he was actually nearly abducted from the train. And uh, he, had a, he had a lot of good reason to be afraid for his life at that time. And the amazing thing was that when he was when he was leaving town, when he was leaving the, the place that he was coming from in Illinois, he stood before the people and he actually quoted of all places from Sefer Yahushua, from Joshua. And he said, if God is with me, there is wherever I go, there's no no need for me to be afraid. If Hashem is with me, I cannot fail wherever I go. And so I was just thinking to myself, you know, if Abraham Lincoln can uh, take some advice and some uh, chizek from Strength and Tanakh about overcoming fear, I think that we definitely can do that too. And it was occurring to me that fear is really a big part of our society. Now, there are, of course, real things to be afraid of and or could or should be afraid of. I don't know. But, you know, there's pandemics out there and, and various societal ills. But I, I also think that we're living in a time where there's new factors that are driving fear. And you consider, it, let's say, for example, something like COVID-19. So you can sit here in Oregon and you're watching in real time every detail of what's happening in, uh, in New York or in China. And of course, on the one hand, it can be very instructive to know exactly what's going on everywhere else in the world. But on the other hand, when you get to see every detail of every challenge as it's unfolding everywhere else in the world, that can uh, induce some, some anxiety. And of course, we do know that That social media increases anxiety. Plus, the nature of sales and the nature of the media is that people will be more prone to click on something that induces anxiety than just plain vanilla. For example, if I told you that, hey, there's a headline about a major destructive storm that's going to wreak havoc, it's probably going to get more clicks than a headline about a placid weekend. And so... I think that fear is a part of our society but it can be debilitating and so how do we overcome that? Well, here's a question. How is it that you can have two people that look at the same situation, the same set of facts and they have very different interpretations? Some people are induced to fear and others are not. Now look, there could be a lot of, of reasons for that but I just wanted to point out that in our Parsha, there's 12 meraglim, there's 12 spies, right? 12 people that go into the land of Israel. They all observed the same land, and of those 12 spies, 10 of them looked at the conquest of Eretz Israel and they said, this is reckless. But two of those people felt that the conquest of the land of Israel was the right moral thing to do. It was what had to be done and to not do that, to not go into the land of Israel would be morally wrong and would not be upstanding. And it's just, it's really quite an amazing thing. Now, the first view can actually be found when the Meraglim come back from the land of Israel and they, they come back to the Jewish people. And, and the Torah says, The Torah says, they came and they, they and they slandered the land of Israel and they said, it's an Eretz Ocheles Yoshevai. It's a land that eats its inhabitants. And they and they go on over there in, in Pasuk Lamed Gimel. V'sham Re'inus and Nephilim, we saw people that we perceived as giants. V'nehi be'ineinu kechagavim. We were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. V'chein ha'inu be'ineihem. And if we were grasshoppers in our own eyes, so... Surely we were grasshoppers in there, so it's a, it's kind of a striking statement. We saw we felt weak. We saw ourselves as weak, and therefore it must be that we were weak in the eyes of everyone else. It's kind of like a a self a self fulfilling prophecy. But of course, we also know that Yehoshua and Kalev had a very very different account of their experience in the land of Israel, and and the Torah says that. Um, they said to the Jewish people it's a very very good land if Hashem wants us he can bring us to that land that's flowing with milk and honey and then they say just an, an amazing thing but against Hashem do not fear and do not be afraid because Hashem is with us and so what, what, what Yehoshua and Kalev are really saying over here is that to fear going into the land of Israel, we can do this, and to have fear is tantamount to rebellion. Do not rebel and do not fear. That's a, a very, very striking thing. And I think that these, these very same sentiments were just reflected 38 years later in Sefer Yehoshua, as the Jewish people were about to cross the Yardane River into Eretz Israel. And of course, there we get that, that very famous pasuk. It's, it's, it's such a simple pasuk, but it's one of my favorite verses in, in Tanakh. The Navi says, <laughs> Halotzi v'sicha, have I not commanded you? Chazak vi'amatz, be strong and be strengthened. Al tarotz don't be broken. Ki imcha Hashem b'chol because God is with you wherever you go. And so that was like the, the, the sentiment of, of the Jewish people going into the land of Israel 38 years later. Now, of course, our Haftarah for Parsha Shlach is also taken from, well, not the first chapter of Yehoshua, but the second chapter of Yehoshua. And it's really a continuation of that theme. And it's really also a continuation of Kalev and Yehoshua's perspective on the land of Israel. And at that time, so Yoshua sends two, two Meraglim. We, we the, the, the Navi doesn't say explicitly who they are. But they, it's interesting. They only go to one place. Like no big, no big tour, no tour bus. All they do is simply go into Yericho, that one city, uh, these unnamed spies. And they, they find Rachav, the, the innkeeper or the harlot, however you want to understand what she was. And she tells the men that look, the hearts of the Canaanite people have melted. And up, upon hearing this single nugget of information, the spies are they're ready to go back to over the, the to the eastern side of the Yardane and to get back together with the Jewish people. And they go and they say, Okay, let's go. All they needed to know was to have some inkling of the mindset of the Canaanites at that time. And that, of course, was their tip that. It was going to be a rather—I don't want to say easy—but that they were very much positioned to be able to take the land. And so, basically, what you have is there's 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 twelve people in Parsha's Shlach, twelve Miraglim. They they all go into Eretz Israel. They see the same geography, the same cities, the same people. And but the, but there's two different views that come out. Of the land of Israel. One view is that the land's very good and it's got a lot of blessing, but it's a real dangerous thing to go into that place. It's it's a place that consumes its inhabitants. And in that line of reasoning, you know, really thoughtful people, wise people, wouldn't want to enter the land of Israel. I mean, who would want to venture beyond the wilderness into the promised land? That that wouldn't make any sense. In, in fact, when the Jewish people hear from Yehoshua and Kalev saying, "Hey, it's 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 good, it's okay, Hashem's with us," the Jewish people want to stone them. They're they're fanatics. So, this this second view, though, of Yehoshua and Kalev, is that it's a good land, and it's filled with opportunity. And yes, it's challenges, but it's really filled with with opportunity. And when when you think about it, their view is really the fulfillment of the command that Moshe gave them. Because when Moshe commanded the spies to go into the land of Israel, he said, go into the land of Israel, see it, and be strengthened. Seeing the land of Israel was supposed to imbue the spies with a feeling of purpose, with a feeling of something great's about to happen here. And so you got 10 people, but it's really two groups. There's a group of 10 and then there's like this group of two. And they were all looking at the same geography, the same inhabitants. Their interpretation completely different. And so I think we have to look a little bit about why that is and how do we how do we explain that? And if you go to the beginning of the parsha, Moshe points to the 12 Meraglim, the Torah marks these are the names that of the of the spies, that Moshe sent to spy out the na- the, the land. And Moshe called Hoshea bin Nun Yehoshua, right? Moshe, of course, renamed Hosea Yehoshua, and Rashi actually indicates that this name change was kind of a tefila; it was a prayer. Rashi says, Hit palel alav." Moshe prayed for Yehoshua, "Ka Yoshiacha mi atzat miraglim. may God save you from the bad advice from the culture of the meraglim." And so it's kind of like Rashi's implying that what was unique unique about Yehoshua was really this, this prayer, this tefillah. But then, well, hold on a second. What about Kalev? I mean, he was also one of the successful spies. And I mean, why didn't Moshe pray for Kalev? I mean, for that matter, why didn't Moshe pray for all of the spies? And the Maharal of Prague says, you know, Moshe felt that, well, perhaps... He Moshe was a little bit concerned about the culture of the spies, but he wanted to pray specifically for Yehoshua because, after all, Yehoshua was the Talmud. He was the disciple of of Moshe, and so it was particularly important to pray for his 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 beloved student. And so Moshe was was motivated. He wanted to daven for Yehoshua, but at the same time. Kalev was also someone who was very much connected to tefillah. There's actually verses that are in our Parsha, and there's verses later on in Sefer Yoshua, which indicate that that Kalev, singular, alone, went to the city of Hebron. And of course, we know that ultimately in Sefer Yoshua Kalev was given the city of Hebron. And Rashi comments, why, why was it that Kalev was taken with the city of Hebron? And, and Rashi comments that Kalev went to pray at the Kivrei Avot. He went to Davin at the graves of, of the patriarchs. And so when you stand back from this situation, you kind of see what's going on in the verses and in Rashi. There's kind of a picture that's emerging over here. You have these 10, 12 spies and two of them have a particular connection with Tefillah. Yehoshua was fortified by Moshe's prayer. And in fact, this prayer was kind of like inscribed in Yehoshua's name. And Kalev was the one, according to Rashi, that took extra steps to go to Chavron and to Davin to pray. And so when you think about it in this light, it's, it's really plausible that look, Fear is a natural thing, and fear is something that really any of the spies could have been afraid, including Yahushua and including Kalev. But there is a way to overcome fear, and the methodology for overcoming fear, the number one secret for overcoming fear, is is prayer to fila. And when you think about it in that light, really... These two groups, the group of ten and the group of two, they're all looking at the same facts. But then you get to a deeper question, which is, why cross the Jordan River to begin with? On what, and, and on what basis would you not be afraid? I mean, the basis to not fear is God's command, right? Like Yoshua says, over, Hashem says to Yoshua again and again, Chazak v'amatz, be strong and be strengthened. I've commanded you to do this. I will be with you wherever you go. And so there are perhaps different ways to look at crossing the Jordan River. On the one hand, you could kind of just be bogged down in the material details. Yeah, look, we, we came out of Egypt, we're stuck in the wilderness, and now we've got to go to this place. And in that point of view, there's plenty of stuff to be afraid of. But if you look at it as a God-given mission, Then there's a whole new dimension. Yes, they're looking at the same facts and figures and same geography. But one group was uninspired. They feel like just oblivious to the whole purpose of going into the land of Israel. They're just getting so bogged down in the practicality. Not that that's not important, but they they lost sight of the bigger picture. And then... There's Yehoshua and Kalev who are so connected to God and to the purpose of of going to the land of Israel. And they're inspired and they're they're very connected to their mission. And so what you believe about your life and what you believe God wants of you are some of the deepest things that you can do to change the way that you approach things, especially in times of fear. Because prayer is really a medium through which we get back to our mission in life. To philal, it's a reflexive idea of, actually, philal means to judge. And in a sense, when we, when we daven, we're judging ourselves in the presence of God. And going through that process of judging ourselves, reflecting on who we are in light of God's commands to us, in light of what we deeply believe that Hashem wants of us, that is a very, very deep thing for overcoming fear. And there's lots of things that a person could be afraid about. Perhaps you need to take a new step in, your, in, in one's career, or, or perhaps we need to, to, to raise money. That it, it seems like a scary thing. I, I think about my wife's father of blessed memory, who lived a lot of his life in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida, and he was actually about my age, in, in his mid 40s, and uh, he and my mother-in-law were raising kids. And they realized they had to get out of Daytona Beach, Florida. I mean, they had they did a lot of great things there. They they even tried starting a school, but they just had a number of issues where they realized they got to get out and they got to they got to raise the kids in a, in a more Jewish place. And interestingly enough, they decide, okay, we're going to pack up the car, and we're going to drive north. And the in the first place that we come to. The first place that has a, a good school that we, we we feel comfortable in, we're going to settle there. Now there were innumerable things that they could have been afraid of, from leaving his job to leaving the place that they had lived for so many years. But there was a real connection to their mission as Jews, and I think that's a key for us to be connected to our mission. And prayer to Filah is really one of the great ways. It's really. It's really the secret. It's really the starting point. Now, there's other steps, too, to overcoming fear. Because I think once we find our mission, we need to make an actionable plan, right? If it's, hey, I'm, 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 I'm taking the next step in my life. There needs to be some sort of actionable plan. And by the way, take, having plans and, and action really eliminates fear because fear loves the environment of uncertainty, Right? And even if you'll say, well, things will still be uncertain, but if you have a plan, then you have a roadmap. And you might not know the exact outcome of things, but at least there's a roadmap. But, but the number one secret, the, the secret that I came to tell you tonight, is that before you can make that map, you have to make the map, but before you make that map, you need to have your purpose. And Yehoshua and Kalev, they knew their purpose very, very deeply because they knew Hashem through their tefillah. And so my message to share with you is that the next time that you feel fear, take that time that you need to breathe. Take some time out. Allow yourself to breathe. Go through some tefillah, some reflexive, asking yourself who you are in God's presence. And ask yourself what God wants of you and where you're going in your life. Daven deeply, And remember that if you know your mission, Hashem will be with you wherever you go.